Our text is Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. As we are continuing in this series, it's the eighth, I believe, in our series. Matter of fact, I'll be hitting Hebrews chapter 6 here uh, directly, as well as some other passages, but uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And now we're more going to be concentrating on chapter 9 as far as some of the things that uh, we're going to go through the rest of this series on torments of hell. Now, all these sermons are on the website already, but uh, the thing I just want to bring back to your mind is that there is hell right now. Okay, hell is right now. And, and in hell, people who died without Christ are there. They are there. Their spirits are there, not their bodies. They are now disembodied souls in a body that would feel the same thing as their earthly body would feel, but it's not able to cease. It's not able to pass away. It's not able to disintegrate. Uh, none of that. But that's the kind of body they have. And you say, well, when the rich man said, I am tormented in this flame, what were some of those torments? And so we've been looking at some of those torments over these weeks that we've been uh, looking at this. And, and so uh, that's why we're continuing this. But we really, on chapter 9, really haven't said a whole lot about the torments, and that really was the basis for it. So let's look at verses 1 through 3, where we read this. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now shall we pray. Now Father, I pray as we look this into this, your word, we want to rightly divide it. We don't want to miss lead anyone in any way. So Lord, I pray that if there is one in here today that is not saved, if there's one in here doesn't know that if they died today, that heaven's their home, may this be the day of salvation, because you're ready, you're willing to save them today. Those by internet, those uh, on the radio, you are willing to save them today. So Lord, I pray that that would happen. Lord, I'm not capable to explain the, the torments, but you are. And so I pray that you'd give understanding to each person in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, now as we begin to look at the pit that we mentioned here, a bottomless pit, that word pit comes from a Greek word, abusos. And uh, we have the word derived from that, abusos, is abyss. Sometimes you'll hear preachers say, forever in the abyss. Well, that uh, says, oh, wow, what in the world's an abyss? Well, it's the bottomless pit. Uh, actually, the abyss will be thrown, all of hell will be thrown into the eternal lake of fire. All the torments, all the things that go on, they'll be turned into the eternal lake of fire. And that is uh, where they will be for all eternity. Uh, we have words sometimes that we do to try to help people. Sometimes they don't help. 
uh, for an example. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things that they have done in their body, which, whether they be good or bad. Well, the judgment seat of Christ is where every uh, saved person appears. Unsaved won't be there. The unsaved are at the white throne. You and I don't appear at the white throne to be judged. The, the unsaved are to white throne judgment, and the books are open. Everything, every thought, every deed, every evil, every sin, every intent, all of that's written down. The man knows, the person that is in hell knows that they deserve to be where they are. They know that. And because they were created in God's image, they live forever. So you say, why don't they cease to exist? Because they were created in God's image. God is the Spirit. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So because He's forever, there is a Spirit that's going to be aware throughout all eternity because He sinned against God. And so uh, we, we need to understand that, that all that are in hell will be there forever only Hell will be cast into the eternal lake of fire from that great right throne. But for the Christians, we're at the judgment seat. Sometimes you'll hear preachers say, when you appear at the Bema seat, oh, I don't want to go there. What's the Bema seat? Judgment seat of Christ. Sometimes preachers like to say the things so you'll think we're smart. Uh, you know, the Bema seat doesn't simply means the judgment seat. What it was back in the Greek day in the, of the Greek Olympics back in that time, in 2 Corinthians when it was written, uh, after all the races and everything were over, they'd go to the judgment seat. Uh, we'd understand it better as a rewarding stand. And they would receive their trophies, you might say, the things that they would have uh, for having won their races. Some would lose. Some might have got a race, but they cheated, and they would lose that, okay? And we're reminded of the parable where the guy had ten uh, rewards, and the other one only had one, uh, one that he was given. It's what he had to begin with, and he said, okay, take from him that hath the one, give to him that hath the ten. Well, does that mean that the Lord is some kind of a communist or something? <laughs> no. Uh, what it simply means is this is that God entrusts us with things as Christians. We don't use them. We'll find out and you get before the judgment seat that God had entrusted you with gifts, whether it's gifts to sing, to teach, to do other things. He entrusted you with a gift and you don't use it. He had entrusted you with that gift that you might receive reward in eternity. You don't use the gift for the Lord. You're saved so as by fire. That is, you're not in hell. Ashamed at his appearing, 1 John 2, 28. He said, well, at least I'm saved, yes. At least you're saved. God is the one that keeps your salvation. I am so glad that I don't have to keep my salvation. Okay? I'm in his hands. Now, sometimes been in his hands, he's got to take you over and go, he's got to spank you. He's got to try to straighten you out. Sometimes it says, okay, up to heaven, <laughs> okay. And it's not bad to go to heaven, really. Not bad to go to heaven, but it's not a good thing to be ashamed when you get there because you went before the time he had actually planned to take you. 
So there are things that we can do in this life. But now we're looking more at the torments of hell, those that die without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now what we say should always be based on Scripture. And understand, Scriptures never contradict Scripture. Now, you'll read something one place, oh, this means this, and then you read something else another place, oh, that means, oh, see, it's a, there's a contradiction. No, there's not a contradiction in the Scriptures, there's a contradiction in your understanding. Okay, uh, you just don't understand some things. Uh, we, we could look at the, the First Amendment of the Constitution. Today there are those that say, well, we believe in freedom of worship. Uh, it's not what the Constitution says. <laughs> freedom of religion and the exercise thereof. Okay. They said, well, freedom of worship, just keep it inside your four walls. That's not what, that's not what it is. The exercise thereof is you take it out. God, God's given you a commission to take the gospel out to a lost and dying world. So you take that gospel out to a lost and dying world. That's our commission. There's where we lose rewards if we don't. Saved so as by fire. So we haven't built, I appreciate yesterday, we had uh, 23 that showed up at visitation Saturday. And, and uh, we had four or five, I think, that stayed back for the teaching of uh, the soul winning class. So, uh, but that was a great, that's just a good turnout. And I appreciate that. And I uh, even have a couple here, just met a few moments ago. That one of our couples went by, uh, one of our, some of our people went by to visit them. And another lady that was, uh, got through our visitation here. So praise the Lord for that. That is just good. And that, that is a special blessing. But now we're on this. And we remember that in verse 1, and, uh, a star falls from heaven, which is an angel. And he is given the key to the bottomless pit. Now remember, when you're looking at the Bible, you're reading the Bible, there are certain keys in the Bible that God has put there that helps us to not misunderstand them. But you will misunderstand if you don't look for those things. And for an example, we have uh, words as likened to, as it were, uh, likened unto, as, and on we could go with different words that says well, it's not really this, but was something like that. It would include qualities that would be like that. And so uh, when he says there that uh, uh, they were likened to scorpions, that their stings were likened to scorpions. It's not actual scorpions, but the sting would be like, that's how a man would understand a sting. Uh, and what he's talking about, how, how hard that is. So this, it's not an actual scorpions, but likened to gives us understanding. Um, I think I said uh, last couple of weeks, I said, uh, what's the difference between the lake of fire and hell? Hell first, that's like county jail. Lake of fire is like <laughs> uh, prison. But on the other hand, we said it was like hell on steroids. Now both of those, hell is not steroids and hell is not, or lake of fire is not a prison. Yet it is. But the actual thing that that does, it helps us to understand what you're talking about. Okay, so it's, the Lord, Lord does that in scriptures, as it were, likened it to, so it'll help us to understand the Word of God. And so always under, keep that in your mind when you're reading the Word. 
But it does say the key to the bottomless pit this angel has. Uh, man has not found that key. And man will not find that key. Now there are those that say that uh, hell is in the middle of the earth. And that may well be the case in that there is a key that opens this pit and smoke comes out of it. So a great possibility. But understand, there's a key to it, and only the Lord Jesus Christ, He has the keys of hell and of death. Only He can give a key. And so He gives this to this angel from heaven who has the key and He opens it. Now years ago, uh, there was uh, some people digging in another country, and, and they, they dug down a well. They kept digging down, digging down. I mean, they went deep in the earth, kind of like coal mines, only deeper. And one of them had the bright idea, let's put a, this super microphone down there and record it, and then we'll tell people. And, and they did. They did. They, they didn't get anything from down there, but they had these screams and these cries, and, and they telling people, oh, this is just like, these were people in hell, we found it. And there were preachers, oh, and they played, some played a recording of it, and others got up and said, they heard screams in hell and all that. And I, I don't doubt there are screams in hell, but that's not what they got, because they didn't have the keys to hell and death. They can dig all they want to, but they're not going to get into where hell is. Okay. Uh, no man could cross that gulf, and those that would come to them, and I don't know why anybody would, but they couldn't if they wanted to, and those that would come from hell that would want to go over into paradise couldn't either. Okay? So, again, uh, that wasn't so, but so many preachers got uh, fooled by that, and they preached that. And, of course, that uh, was completely wrong. You know, when there's a key to the bottomless pit, and only one's going to open that, that all these other things that people say aren't right. All you have to do is believe the Bible. The Bible's got it right. You don't have to invent things in order to try to understand the Word of God. Now, uh, the only people, the only humans that have found hell are those who have died without Jesus Christ. They have found it, they are there, but there's no escape for them. But they are definitely there. And it seems... The ones uh, who are there are spirits with a body. They're disembodied, as we said earlier, from their earthly body. But they do have a spiritual body. First uh, Corinthians 15, 44 says, There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Uh, I preached to you a sermon recently on, on uh, Jude chapter, uh, verse uh, 6. <laughs> Not chapter 6. You won't find six chapters in Jude. Verse 6 of Jude, as well as uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, that angels, there were some angels that were put in that place, and they are chained. But wait a minute. Angels are spirits. How are they chained? I think they're chained just the same way that people who die without Christ are chained. They're put into a body that cannot escape anything. And they, their spirit cannot escape that body. They'll try to kill themselves and they can't. And we'll see an example of that when we go further in uh, chapter 9. But they can't kill themselves. Those 
devils that have been chained down there since the flood, not all the devils got chained down there, just some devils. For why? I don't know. But God had a reason, and His reason is always just. But there are angels that, are, uh, that fell with Satan that are chained down there. Probably, I don't know for sure, but I believe that their, their chains is not literal chains. You don't put literal chains on a spirit. But I think they're within a body. That's their chains. They can't get out. And yet they're in a different part of hell. They're in a place that's in the Greek word Tartarus. And there's just a separate compartment for those fallen angels. And so that's where they are. Uh, sometimes they try to assume bodies like we have today. Or they try to, I think they really try to get inside of unsaved people's bodies and use them. And they do. Can they look like other people? I, I have no doubt. Can they talk like other people? I have no doubt. But really, uh, we have the Word of God. We don't have to be deceived by any devil whatever. So it's important that we remember uh, these things that we've heard about hell. The rich man. It's 2,000 years later. Guess what? He's still there. 2,000 years later, the rich man is still in hell, and he's still saying, I am tormented in this flame. Just let somebody, I don't care if they have leprosy, they can put their finger in water and touch my tongue with it. He's still tormented in hell. And 2,000 years from now, he'll still be tormented when hell's cast into the lake of fire. Whenever that is, he'll still be tormented as will all who are in that place. What is that fire? As I told you earlier, we had the man that was here talk about running to that fire. I mean, 100-story buildings crumbling. Other buildings crumbling. And, and just reading the, hearing the things that he told and I can remember back that most of you can remember that were living back then of, of the things that you saw there watching it on the television. And uh, one of the reporters saying, see them. Well, we saw them jumping off the building, knowing 100 stories up, there's no chance for them. They jumped off. Why? There's something about fire that makes jumping 100 stories and hitting concrete worth it. Think of that. Matter of fact, just to share you an extra thing here. That Sunday, preached here, we had visitors. A couple was here. I got their name. I went. They, they lived out in Shores. And my wife and I went to visit them and started to share with them the gospel. But they were crying even before we were sharing the gospel. So I knew it wasn't the gospel, that really, but yet it could have been. But, you know, you talk about heaven and hell, and they're just, they're just crying. Finally, he just said, uh, we apologize for crying, but said, our daughter just went down in those towers. We lost our daughter in the towers. Now, actually, they became a part of us, and I, I did both of their funerals, but... Uh, wow. Never expected that. But guess what? They never expected it to be their daughter. You always expect to go before your children. 
Oh, what a terrible thing that was. So spirits we find in the Bible. They said to Jesus when he's going to cast him out of the man of Gadarene, not, don't send us there before the time. They fear it. Paradise at one time was down there. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was taken up to heaven. But paradise was not torment for any Christian there. But they were there. But the rich man and Lazarus is there. Rich man doesn't talk to Lazarus. Lazarus doesn't talk to the rich man. But the rich man hollers across and says, Send Lazarus. Then he put his finger in water and touched my tongue. But they are in that place. Lazarus is saved. He is there. The Bible says Abraham's bosom. It's called, it was called Abraham's bosom, that compartment. That's, there was no torture there. As a matter of fact, there's another story that sometimes we miss in this. In the Bible. And that is Samuel. Remember, Samuel dies. He is now in paradise. See, it hasn't been taken up to heaven yet at that point. Saul is king. Saul is rebelled, has rebelled against God in so many ways. His rebellion was not in obeying God, doing what God told him to do. And so, things are getting bad now. The Philistines are closing in on him, and he starts asking his men, because I pray to God, I, I offer sacrifice, and nothing seems to go right, nothing happens. What do I do? So he starts asking his men, do you know any, where any witches are that could help us out with this? We could have a seance. Well, he'd also made a law that anybody, which was from the Word of God, it wasn't his law, it was God's law, but he was enforcing it, find a witch killer. But, he says, find a witch. We'll try that. So they found the witch of Ondor. They go, they, they ask her about calling somebody up. She says, no, Saul's killing people. I'll do that. Well, look, we'll make sure you don't get killed. She doesn't know that's Saul she's talking to. I guess she doesn't see Saul. <clears throat> okay, that's... Uh, that's my age group, okay? That's my age group, all right. But there's Saul. She goes in, he says, I want to call him up. And he makes her promises and all this. And so she says, okay, we'll call him up. Now, why is this lady doing the seance when this spirit appears? Because Saul had told her to call up Samuel. Begins to shake, fear, tremble. Why? I mean, she's done this before, so why is she doing this now? Because, you see, you don't call any spirit out of hell or out of paradise. You don't call them out. But we as humans can record people's voices. After church services, sometime today on a radio station, you'll hear my dad preaching. He's with the Lord now. But we've recorded his voice. It's his voice. So, if man can record a voice, certainly spirits can imitate the voice. 
And so, people be fooled by that. They didn't come out. But the reason this lady's shaken, scared to death, is because she realizes this is the real thing. For whatever reason, God allowed Samuel to appear. And Samuel coming out of paradise isn't a happy camper that he got called out of there, you know? I mean, there he is, he's, he's in paradise, and he's called to go up there, so he goes. And boy, he lets Saul have it. He lets him have it. And he says, by the way, tomorrow you're going to be with me. Now, that's one of the reasons I think Saul was actually saved. A lot of preachers say that he wasn't, but how could he be with Samuel if Samuel's in paradise? Okay, that's, uh, this seems to be logical reasoning. But he says, tomorrow you'll be with me. But I tell you what, there's something that's great about paradise that when Paul got a glimpse of it, he said, hey, <laughs> to be with Christ is far better. Not just better, far better. Oh, how much did uh, that upset him to see that? And so, uh, that that's, was an experience there that tells us of the reality of those spirits being alive after they leave this body. They don't want to come back. I believe that I've got loved ones that are praying for the rapture to hurry up and happen. But I don't think that there is one saved person with the Lord today that says, Lord, let us go back right now. <laughs> They're not going to say that at all. I've had people say, do you think they see us and what we're doing? No, heaven's a holy place. I'm not going to let you watch that stuff. They're with the Lord. You know, that guarantee can be for you because it's God's promise, not ours. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we read in verses 18 through 20. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, those who died without Christ, that rejected the way of salvation, they rejected Christ Jesus. Uh, we continue in verse 20, which seems to give us another indication. Which sometimes were obedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. Remember, he gave them 120 years. While the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, it means they weren't in the water. Just like saved so as by fire, you're not in hell. But those eight souls would tell you today they deserve to be in that water with the rest of them. But they were saved because the Bible tells us clearly that they were saved the same way we are. Noah was saved by grace. 
He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so, they weren't saved by the, uh, the water itself, but in that they were not in the water. And he says in verse 21, the like figure whereunto now even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Well, how can you have a good conscience towards God? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, that blood paid the penalty for my sin. That blood cleansed me from my sin. That blood did everything that I could not do. Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers been made subject unto him. You know what he's saying? Is that even in his humanity, angels, powers, authorities, the highest ranking of all angels and demons, even the devil himself is under his authority. In his humanity. Don't forget, Jesus had a human spirit. He had a human body. He, remained, he, he maintained his God spirit. But in his life on earth, he lived in a human body with a human spirit. And it was that human spirit that was totally tempted, tried everything else. And he did not sin one time that he might be an acceptable sacrifice. And just like in the Old Testament, they would take that blood of the innocent lamb, the lamb that had been tested and tried and found acceptable, and they would take that blood and sprinkle it on the altar, sacrificing the, that lamb for the sin of the people for that day. But the blood of bulls and goats do not take away sin. It took the blood of Jesus Christ, an actual human sacrifice. And the blood of Jesus Christ was pure blood. It was clean blood. It was the blood that paid the penalty that I might be accepted in the beloved. That is in Christ. That's how we have a clear conscience. Because we're in Christ. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, not our righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. We trust that we're accepted in heaven through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Well, when you think about all of that, here he is, Jesus Christ. He died for your sin, my sin, all sin, for all time. He had a human spirit. You ever wonder why when he was in the garden praying there and he sweat drops so thick they were like it was blood. It was so thick. And by the way, there's another example of as it were blood. <laughs> I, I've been guilty of this preaching. And he sweat blood for us. No, he actually says as it were blood. It's actually sweat. But it was a sign of how much trauma was in his heart. His soul. Why? Because the eternal wrath of God, the wrath that I deserved, was poured out on my Savior. 
All that wrath was poured out, we think, on his body. Yes, that was gruesome. Man did what man could do to his body. That's all men knew. But the Father, His only begotten Son, poured out His wrath on His only begotten Son. But that was in agreement before the world began when the Trinity came to the idea of creation. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But Jesus loves me too, not just God the Father. And Jesus died on the cross because He loves me. That's why He said to the disciples, I want this to be your absolute testimony that you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. He gave his life. That's love. Gave his life. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Whose own self bear our sins on the cross and street. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why I said the righteousness of God in him is Christ's righteousness, not my own. It's Christ's righteousness. And so, I am accepted in the beloved. And it's not just my salvation. It's the rest of my life. Not just saving me from the penalty of my sin, not just saving me from sin's power and sin's presence when I get to heaven. I, I've got sin in me now. I really do. I've been cleansed, but, you know, that old nature stayed here, so I, I still sin. But one day I'm going to be caught up, and I'll be from sin's nature as well. It's sin's presence. The great thing is He can deliver you from sin's power right now. And He can cleanse you, and He can give you everlasting life. Now, that's the Word of God. That's absolutely true. And here's the unique thing. If you're saved today, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it is a greater crime to not give that gospel to a dying world, to witness that gospel. It's a greater crime than if you had the cure to any kind of cancer, to any kind of a horrible disease, and you said, no, nah, I'm not going to give it. I got it for me. That's all that's important. We'd call that guy the worst of the worst. Well, you've got something that cures more than that. You, these bodies... I don't care if they find a cure for cancer, still going to die. I mean, Miriam was healed of her leprosy. People in Jesus' day were healed of leprosy, but they're with the Lord now. But one thing, one thing for sure, we have a cure 
It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has entrusted us to carry that to him, to, to the world around us. Do you have friends, fellow employees, children, grandchildren who are without Christ? Do you pray for them daily? But more than that, have you brought to them the gospel? What I just preached about the cross of Christ, paying for our sins, that's good. That's why, that's why in Corinth, some had been homosexual. Some had been thieves, drunkards, what have you. God saved them. That's the great thing is to know that the cure that we can carry to a lost and dying world can save them if we'll take it. But we've got to take it. Oh, but if you're here and you're not sure that if you die today that heaven's your home, I want to invite you to come and take the cure. I remember as a little boy, I hated it when they came by the school and they gave you a shot. I didn't even want to go to the doctor and get a shot, let alone have them come by to school and give you a shot. But they'd give you a shot. Didn't really care for that shot. Now, I know it's for my good, but I didn't care for the shot. You know what? <laughs> for eternal life, Jesus already took the shot. He took it all for me. And he'll save. He'll save. Will everybody get saved or give the gospel to? No, because they have a free will because they're made in God's image. They can accept God's offer or reject it. But he'll save. But how can they Believe, Romans 10, if they do not hear. Said a preacher, meaning a personal witness, not just somebody who stands up here in a pulpit. Somebody that brings the gospel. Do we love? Do we care? Hell is a real place. It's an eternal place. Now, the rest is between you and God. Let's bow our heads, please.